to the Donfather, the family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And the slog is over. Matthew, finally, we get to discuss a victory by the Bombers. Cancel all your September plans. I, uh, I withdraw everything I say. Truck doesn't need any help. Cancel the review. We don't need it. Already said Kansas September plans. Uh, we're, we're winning the flag this year. We will not lose another game for the year playing like that. We will not. We will not lose. In the words of a famous Rex Hunt. Uh, now, nah, look. In, in all honesty, for me, it's uh, nothing to see here. I think St Kilda were off more than we were on. No, I disagree. I disagree. I think uh, what I saw in the change of game, and St Kilda may have been off. I don't really watch them enough to... I barely watch Essendon these days. Uh, I don't really watch them enough to know. Uh, But the change in pressure, the implementation of the game plan to finally see it work, um, I think has been building for a number of weeks. There's been aspects that we haven't gotten right. And I think uh, if the listeners remember back to the Port Adelaide game, there were signs in that game that it was starting to come together. And, you know, on our, although it was an away game, on our home deck uh, against a team that we tend to have a good record against in recent years, maybe match up well against, finally, all aspects of the game plan came together. Uh, all of our senior players seemed to perform at the right time. And it worked. We finally got to see what, well, what I imagine they've been working on all of preseason and, and the evalu- the evolution of, of the game plan from last year. Well, do you think it was the evolution or it's just the, uh, we actually went back to what we were doing uh, a year ago <laughs> and um, sort of just kept stripping it back? Oh, no, it seemed different. It seemed different to me. Uh, we seemed more controlled with the ball and there was a real clear um, directive, it seemed for me, from the coaches to give up the mark or free kick deep in our defence and that person that's standing on the mark push back. And the, and the big thing that I noticed in particular was that we were able to go and pressure the ball carrier and push forward and actually pressure where the ball was going to much, much more effectively than we have in, re- in previous weeks. Well, I think, you know, I'm obviously on the cusp of uh, finishing my degree. Should all go well. Um, and I have been on this show saying we need to pressure the ball. And it's funny what happens when you, you change in game to say, hey, we pressure the ball. So I know that review is coming up. I might have to throw my hat in the ring. I might be the uh, the help that Truck needs. You might be. You might be. It's a really simplify. But who would have thought? You, you you pressure the ball. You put pressure on the ball carrier. You create turnovers. You make really make a, a really simple game for yourself. Who would have thought? But <laughs> excuse me. I I can't believe that that wasn't part of the plan. Like I I, I refuse to believe that that putting pressure on the ball car- carrier wasn't part of the plan. So why wasn't it working? Why? Why wasn't it happening? Because I, I, I think I think what they were trying to do was um, if you sort of build your defense from the back. So if they got nowhere to kick, you can sort of choke them because they've got nowhere to go. And so if you get back, that, that sort of, you know, like you're going to cause a turnover because there's wherever they go, like there's going to be someone there to intercept and we can go the other way. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I see what you mean. Yeah. I see what but you mean. I, I, I think, I, the, I think the two things work in tandem, right? The ball, as you were saying, the pressure on the ball carrier creates the turnover down the line. Uh, well, I, I think the pressure on the ball creates a, a, a turnover like with the man in possession. I, I think mm. perhaps what we're trying to do is with that man in possession, okay, he's got to dispose of the ball, but he's, he's not got really any great options to go to, so we'll pick them off there and then go, mm. sort of thing. Credits over there, but um, I think the, the way the game is, and I just think the way I, I think it'll always be this way that if you pressure the ball carrier, you, you'll you know you'll, you'll be far more successful creating turnovers with pressure at the ball rather than trying to web people in in, in transition mm. or something like that. I just don't think it works, and I think we've seen that. Um, it's a simple game sometimes, isn't it? Mm. But before we jump too deep into the the game itself and, and our likes and dislikes and the analysis. Let's 
salute one of our own. Massimo D'Ambrosio. What an incredible debut. What a beginning of another kind of fleet of wogs. Strong wog fleet, strong Essendon. I think back to the days of Mercedi, Mercuri, Alessio. You know, those great Italian Essendon players. And geez, haven't we found another one? As, uh, as our forefathers uh, and grandfathers, great-grandfathers would say, Che bello, Massimo! And uh, that is certainly the... the uh, that's what I was thinking when I saw him. So, but that's... I mean, we... You know, look, he's one game in. Um, but if, if he can... Uh, if he's another quality prospect from a mid-season, mid-season draft, uh, yet again by another Italian, Mr. Dodoro, um, you know, that half-back line of Hind um, and the way he, he showed on Friday. Redmond, who, you know, looking like when he plays like that, he's, a, he's an elite half-back mm. and supported by him as well. Mr. D'Ambrosio. Mm. Um, that's, that's exciting. Mm. It's now, a, do, you reckon, do you reckon we can trade all our national draft picks for mid-season <laughs> draft picks? Because our success rate with a mid-season draft is so good. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that's um, sort of diverging from the topic here, but I, I think, you know, whenever the door is done, if, it's, if it is after this review or if it's in a few years um, or on the end of the year, whoever, I think that's one thing he's been really good at is getting, finding, pardon me, um, finding some real, I'm not going to say low-level talent, but being able to extract talent later in the draft, probably better than he has been able to pick talent earlier in the draft. I, 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 think, I think this is something that happened... Post-2012, when they knew they weren't going to have early draft picks, they really invested in the scouting network to really get to know later in the draft. And if you notice since then, probably the one good thing to come out of that whole thing is that our deep scouting and our picks later in the draft and in rookie drafts have, for the most part, been very, very good. And our mid-season draft pickups have not just been decent, journeymen like Snelling finishes top two and three in the Crichton medal every year. Um, Sam Durham Sam Durham looks like a 200 game player. And Mm. I mean, we're one game in, but geez, D'Ambrosio looks real good. Yeah. He certainly didn't look out of place, did he? Um, Mm. Yeah. And and, and, well, I think, you know, you look at this spot, like Harrison Jones wasn't, he wasn't an early pick. He wasn't, Pick thirty or something like that. Yeah, he didn't. But he didn't come in touted like a Logan McDonald or a Mackay mm. or something like that. And I, I'd almost argue, or, or you know, the King brothers. He's probably been able to impact just as soon. Um, maybe we obviously haven't seen the best of him given injuries, but hasn't the same run at it some of the other boys have. But um, you know, you I'm go down very the comfortable. I'm very comfortable with Harrison Jones being on the list and playing as that second tall. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, he's got yeah. a lot of upside. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, this is, again, diverging from the topic, but I think if we look down our list, it's probably uh, equal number, if not more, uh, on our, uh, you know, best 22 or best 25 that have come from later in the draft or rookie mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, then there is guys who, you know, came in that top sort of 20, 30, um, you know, selection. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, but that's that's a whole nother story. Did you um did you catch any of Roaming Brian? I didn't. I didn't, unfortunately. Oh, that is my favourite part of Friday Night Footy, Roaming <laughs> Brian, especially when it's your team and you've had a win, right? But um, <laughs> oh, geez, Brian Taylor, best commentator in the in the caper. Um, that D'Ambrosio family, like you couldn't wipe the smiles off their faces. That was the most wholesome, joyous football experience I've had in a number of years. Yeah, I think, I mean, especially for us, because um, when a guy like that, like, you understand the family aspect to him. And it's, I'm assuming it's similar, you know, when a country kid, uh, like say if we were you know, from a country town uh, and, and someone from the country town had been picked up and was playing, you know, AFL football, it, there'd be that sort of, yeah, just that, that sense of it's just that little bit extra special because it's came from your town. You maybe you knew the family, you knew friends, etc. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't think any of us know Massimo or his family, but you, you definitely do connect 
and it becomes that little bit extra special when you yeah you you can align with that heritage factor mm. and, and you know um i suppose you can just imagine how, how proud your own parents would be and, and the you know the nonna and everyone else the cousins and the family that, 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 that made my day when, yeah. when both nonnas and nonnas were there oh mate they were they were wrapped and and BT interviews them, and obviously English is their second language, mate. It was the best. It, it was just like it was like watching our own family. Imagine yeah. your nonna got interviewed by BT. Yeah, well, I, I, she wouldn't know where she was. <laughs> she was like, yeah, at the best of times, but um, yeah, it would be it would be uh, quite funny. Yeah. So, Maddie, why don't we take a little bit of a break? And then um, let's. I'm going to enjoy this pod because it's not going to happen much this year. So let's uh, <laughs> let's come back and we'll, we'll have a chat about the game. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring, tingling, ling, tingling, ling, and you'll sing. So, Matthew, I don't know if you remember that that time we beat St Kilda when they'd won like 19 straight or 20 straight. I remember very clearly. I don't know if you remember the story, but that Thursday evening, I was I actually working at uh, Doncaster Shopping Centre. Uh, this was my days working for Ed Hardy. And the AFL store used to be upstairs. And we we were woeful that year, and St Kilda were unbeatable. And somehow, a balloon floated down from the AFL store and floated into Ed Hardy. And I picked it up, and I'm like, oh, what is this balloon doing here? Turned it around, and it was a bomber's balloon. And I thought, this is a sign. We're going to win this game. And lo and behold, we get to the Marvel Stadium, well, Eddie had, as it was called then, and one of the greatest victories in the the modern Essendon era, post two thousand era. Um, but it doesn't stop there, Matthew. On Thursday night, I woke in a cold sweat, and I like sat bolt upright. And I kid you not, I was visited by the ghost of Jason Laycock, and he was standing in my bedroom. And he said to me, Matthew, and I quote, see if you can make something of this. Fear not, young Nicholas, on the hundredth day of the great Calabrian, when there are more Italians wearing the sash than are present at the World Cup, a saviour shall emerge wearing the mark of six and one. From the darkness shall he come, the Prince of Portsea no more, but the King of Tullamarine, ready to lead us forth to the Holy Grail. Uh, I know and Matthew, <laughs> what happened Friday night? Did we see the emergence of the next great Essendon star? I think we did. He I was think, good, wasn't he? I think the Prince of Portsy slash King of Tullamarine is that player that could potentially equal the legendary heights of Sir James Hurd, the last chosen one. He he's he's good, isn't he? He's he's good. He was good. Um, he he just had this aura. I look, he's not there yet. Don't get me wrong. I I saw enough signs on Friday though that this this kid is has the potential to be the everywhere man, to be that player like the Dusty Martins, the Christian Petrarchas, the James Herds of old that you can build your whole team around. He. I think he is going to be our franchise player for the next 10, 15 years. That yeah. He's going to be the one that all the kids have got his number on the back. He's going to be the one doing all the media stuff. He's going to be the one that all the posters are of. And I just saw a little glimpse of it on Friday night. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's fickle. It's definitely, is it, is, is, I mean, he's marketable, isn't he? Um, he, what he does really, uh, which might be a bit misguided, kind of, but he, he just does simple things really well. Like, mm. no, maybe that's maybe that's wrong. He he just plays. Like he just, you know what I mean? He just plays. Yeah, he. What I really like about him, 
is he seems to have time with the ball. Yeah. And he's yeah. and he seems to make really good decisions and have really clean skills under pressure. And mm. he's incredibly balanced and strong. Yeah. Yeah. Like he'll get the ball in like there was one in I think it was in the first quarter and he was getting tackled as he kicked and the kick still spun perfectly and went straight to um I think it was Nick Martin who then ran in and, and sunk it from sort of 45. Yeah, that's right. Um and yeah. that happened that's happened a number of times since he's started and certainly um on Friday night his kicks always seem to be weighted perfectly and they always seem to be kicks that open up the ground and are really damaging kicks. Yeah. I, 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 he's certainly willing to take risks, isn't he? Um, but they come off. He's, he's got the skills for them to come off. Yeah, but, but also the IQ as, as to when to pull the trigger. Because, um, I mean, it's all good and well to pull the trigger, but um, if you're just doing so sort of wildly... Um, yeah, you're probably yeah, you're causing us more problems than you than you're solving. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, look, I, and this is where it'll get interesting for him because I think before this, I mean, there wasn't really much expectation. I was like, yeah, come in, you know, you're obviously our best, but um, you know, half forward, you you know, you'll take time. And now, with a game like he played, it's like, oh no, no, no actually. You're up to AFL level, and you probably maybe you're a little bit there before uh, we expected, uh, and now you've got some expectation on you that no, okay, there's a level where we expect that every week. So, mm. um, yeah, uh, and you you really hate. I mean, it's it's it can be this point too in, in some of their careers. I mean, um, if it looks like he's falling away with his effort or things aren't going right again. Uh, you know the the criticism will, will come for him, um, and I guess that's that's a part of being a champion. But um, it's going to be as as encouraging as it is. It's going to be a very interesting time for Mister Perkins. Yeah, I just I'm yeah, like I say, I don't think he's there. I, he's not an A grader yet. But I just saw <clears throat> I just saw enough in his performance to suggest that when this group is challenging for top four for finals, if this group ever does, he is the nucleus of of that challenge. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. Well yeah, he has potential to be, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah. There was just there was just something in his performance that was like, yeah, I think I think we've got one here. You know? It it went from being like, oh yeah, he shows some signs to like, oh, he he might be doing this on the regular. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. hope to uh, hope to see it. Mm. Um, and it, well, I think you know across the board for the youngsters. I mean, Hobbsy. Um, funny enough, you, you play guys in their positions and uh, they start to perform. So uh, he was good as well. I was really happy with Dylan Shield. I, I think his last mm. couple of weeks have been been really good. Been really, really good. good um, and I mean, yeah, I think the worst thing that happened to him was. Well, injuries, but also that the Darcy Parish <laughs> just was so good last year for us, and um, you know maybe that, I think it's taken them a while to figure out how they all coexist. Yeah, but with Dylan's willingness now to defend hard, to tackle, to do the team things, um, I think that's gonna that's gonna pay off. Mm. Um, well, I think they did two things, right? I think. Um... Last week, McGrath didn't play. And then this week, he was almost exclusively a defender. Okay. So, um, I think that freed up more midfield time for Scheel. Um, and I think, I I mean, we'll get to McGrath in a minute because I'm really unhappy with the fitness staff again. But um, I think we were able to use, again, same point. You play McGrath in his natural position, small defender running half back. He has a better performance and a better game, and he's pushing up the ground. It lets Dylan Shield play in his natural position, which is sort of that explosive midfielder. Um, you've got Hobbs playing and Caldwell playing in their natural positions as inside mids, and suddenly the whole group just clicks a little bit better. 
they're able yep. to pressure a little bit more. They're able, and I think part of that is that they their roles are natural to them. So then they can focus on the nuances of the game plan of that's required of their role, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, well, it's funny, you know, I'm looking at Jai Caldwell. He, he would have played primarily on ball, um, you know, 23. Hobbsy played a little bit more on ball, 22. Mm. Um, McGrath, 21, but he's popped up for 10 marks. Um, you know, Perkins only had 19 and he's influenced the game quite well so um string obviously a little bit uh, a little bit better but um what I, what I like about these statistics is one two three four our four top midfielders all are between 22 and 26 possessions so no one's getting the huge 37 40 touches it's it's a real shared effort or it seemed like that to me anyway yeah and and you want a uh, another stat I really like mmm uh, I've just pulled up the tackle numbers. Uh, Jai Caldwell with seven, Merritt with seven, Stringer with six, uh, Shield with five, mm. Shield with seven clearances, Caldwell with yeah. five clearances. I mean, they're, they're, that's really encouraging. That's what you want to see. Um, yeah, from your from your your on ball brigade and, and you know someone who's a little bit more up forward, but um, that that's really encouraging for me, particularly seeing Shield and Stringer mm-hmm. with those sort of numbers. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. So, did Sam Draper have the most influential eight possession game you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> well, when he kicked two goals, um, certainly helps, doesn't it? I think the fact that he's he's doing tap outs and he's always around the ball. Maybe he had fifteen hit outs. Maybe he seems to be doing more than um, seems to be getting more of the ball. But for me. He had such a great influence on the game, and I was really surprised to see that he only had uh, eight disposals and two marks. Yeah, well, football's a funny. I mean, it's a funny game in that we're probably one of the few games globally, sports globally, where we count how many, just how many times someone touches or disposes of the ball. Mm. Like you don't count it in soccer, you know. Mm. Um, I think in, in basketball, you know, you don't count. Uh, you don't count how many passes someone has. You know, you count assists, you, you count effective passes that lead in a score or whatever. Um, but some, like sometimes in football, and it probably happens more often than we give it credit for, you can have a pretty decent impact on a game and only touch a ball or dispose of the ball, um, you know, 10 to 20 times um, mm-hmm. and, and still will have a really big impact. I mean, that's, you know, little things just, just spoils at timely times or, uh, you know, bringing things to a stoppage, having contests and or just having some presence and bodying around and giving your teammate an opportunity to win the ball. Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, you just have to watch the game and, and measure uh, impacts just based on pure vision rather than absolutely what the numbers say because I, I don't think they always tell the full story. I agree, I agree. I think we get caught up as AFL fans and AFL watchers in, in the numbers. How many goals, how many possessions, that sort of thing. Whereas influence is really um, the bigger statistic and or the bigger key. And certainly Draper's performance, that was very influential, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great to have Hindy, I mean, 571 metres gained. Great to have him back. I mean, he yeah. was good last week as well. Yeah. And he was yep. good uh, in our win against Hawthorne. So, but yeah, you're right. It's good to get some drive off our halfback line. Absolutely. Yeah, interesting one as well. Shield only um, he's at 25, and obviously, yeah, five tackles, seven clearances. He's only had 72 percent time on ground. So, mm. um, I think maybe there is more for him to, to offer. But um, mm. yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Ben Hobbs. So if we yeah. if we have a look at same with Caldwell, team 69%. Mm, mm. Very interesting. We have a look at team stats. We sort of win every category um, all the way through, apart from free kicks. A um, yeah. couple shockers, but we won't go there. Um, the only one we didn't win, clearly, was clearances, which was even, and turnovers. So just goes to show when your effort's there and your performance is there, you tend to naturally get on top across statistics. We, um, we did win turnovers. We had 13 less. 
Well, we lost turnovers because we didn't have more turnovers. <laughs> that's a. <laughs> It's not That's golf, it's football. <laughs> you banana head. <laughs> You've made an error. Admit, admit your fault. No, I need an internal review. I'm going to review <laughs> myself right now. I was yeah. correct. <laughs> uh, you can continue. <laughs> so, um, look, we overall, really happy with the performance. I the, And like I was saying in the intro, what I really liked about it was one, the pre- the manic pressure on the ball carrier. And then I don't know if you noticed this, but every time that they took a mark sort of forward up halfway, instead of standing the mark, we would run five meters back so that we could actually move on the mark, getting rid of that stand rule for ourselves, giving them five more meters, but allowing us to be mobile and not a player lost in um, the defensive swarm or the transition. Yeah, it, I, I'm getting this. I haven't watched enough league games, but it, it appears like that's the way um, the league is moving to get around that um, mm. standing the mark rule. Mm. Um, so I wonder if what will happen there going forward. I thought that was um, unique to us. I thought we were clever. No, I, I, I think actually Carlton were doing it. Um, they were actually opting, uh, and maybe just because their ball use was so terrible that night, they were opting... I don't stand the mark. Just get back, get in front of Peter Wright, get to his feet, you know, and that next kick yeah. they go for when they go long, yeah. you know, where they're at the feet. So, and maybe that's what we've been trying to do in previous weeks and just we just let teams pick us apart. So, mm. um, but yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's a new thing. I think that's been a bit of trending in the league at the moment. I could be wrong, mm. but that's that's well, my observations from the few. I really struggle to watch footy if Essendon's not playing. <laughs> yeah, me too. I really struck watch watch it if playing. At the yeah, well, as you're the best of times, but um, yeah. But so, look, kick on. You, I was gonna say I'm gonna de- sour the mood a little bit. I'm not. Uh, I'm not writing home about this one. I think you beat St Kilda. It's never really anything to write home about. Often. Um, mm. Yeah, they're like Essendon. They're prone to drop their bundle against a team that they don't rate. Yeah, but I just... They're a nothing club. They're a bit like North Melbourne with a few more supporters. What, what do they stand for, really? Well, they were, they? they were pushing top four this week. If they'd won, they would have been in top four. They've, they've been in good form. Mm. They've played some really good footy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think they'll be like us maybe 10 years ago, sort of fall away. You know, make some noise and then fall away, creep in the finals. See you later, week one, week two. That's where I think they're at. Um, and yeah, mind you, also they didn't have their um, their leader in it, Jack Steele. So um, yeah. that oh my gosh, never never record a podcast with the hiccups. Um, Wins a win, Matthew. Yeah, you take it. Um, Look, I've got a dislike. Go for it. Andrew McGrath's groin injury. One week after after having one week off, comes in re-injured, missing this week. Who would have thought when, we'd rush a guy back? When, when have we ever done that? will the fitness staff learn? Like, they clearly don't know what they're doing. They clearly have no idea how to rehab someone properly. They're clearly terrible at their job. If I was doing this internal review, they would all go. Mm. I, it's yeah. consistent. It's been consistent for years. Yeah, I wonder... I mean, just going back to what Rob, Rob Della Sasho... Uh, from the sash uh, said in terms of it, it might actually take a couple of years before it settles down I, stuff. I'm not talking about fitness I'm talking about specifically the people that do the rehab so McGrath wasn't out long enough where his fitness would be an issue and that the fitness training would get him back up to speed I'm talking purely injury recovery and rehab of the adductor muscles that he injured. Uh, you, I mean, uh, I think there are two separate you, facets. I think there's a medical staff, and I think there's a fitness staff. It, it, you don't think they they're not mutually? Ex- I, I wouldn't see them as mutually. No, I, I think exclusive. they are mutually exclusive. That's the point. Well, one's got to train like. Yeah, so so you've got to, you've got to manage other. the injury, and then the fitness staff have to get you fit again, but. The physios don't do the training program; they do the rehab program. Yeah, but that, that would link in with with like your training loads would 
increase as your you know as you progress through the physiotherapy process whatever their processes are yeah and you start with the physiotherapy process you transition to a point where you can start full training again and then you go into the fitness program is what i'm suggesting happens and it's a bit more intertwined and a bit more intermeshed but at some point you've got to manage an injury and they suck at managing soft tissue injuries okay yeah oh yeah i I think it's a yeah definitely a whole team i i don't know what goes on behind the scenes i mean none of us do but um yeah certainly not a great track record with soft tissues particularly um, this year but in, throughout like and we thought it was Justin Crow, but it, it clearly wasn't it's clearly the whoever's in charge has still got no idea what they're doing yeah um I well I'm just thinking back to our uh, pre-season I do recall I don't know if McGrath in like I know Stringer had an interrupted pre-season mm-hmm. um and it has a big even though you know we're halfway through the season it has a massive Im- impact on um, you know, your, your occurrence of particularly soft tissue injuries and, um, you know, the more pre-season you're able to complete, the less likely you are to uh, encounter a soft tissue injury. So um, I, I don't know if – I'm trying to think back. I, I can't really – I don't know if McGrath had any issues back then. Um, I think I, – I seem to recall a niggle, but um, yeah. nothing major. Yeah, okay. Um because I mean, I'm even thinking with uh, Snelling and Langford, were they able to complete full no, pre seasons? Yeah, no, so there you go. Uh, Stringer, he wasn't able to. Um, so all the guys that have been popping up for us have been guys that weren't able to do a pre season. So I think you could you you probably have the best in the business on the on the job, and if you you just can't do the workload and get through the volume required to sustain an AFL season, um, you, you probably you're probably, uh, yeah, done for. Likely. Um, so we'll see. But, we'll see how many McGrath misses, but you know, an extra yeah. week wouldn't have hurt. Yeah. Well, even um, speaking to a a friend the other week who is he's in the AFL system, um, and he was only able to complete a tiny percentage of of, of the workload because uh, he had a pre existing injury from uh, last year mm. um, that prevented him from, you know, actually being part of football. Um, but he the he got back like round three or four and he hadn't done any any work. So just for him to go out and play and get up week to week, uh, mammoth task because it would just take him so much to recover from what he had to do on the week and that he couldn't then train during the week. So then he'd go out the next week. He'd be a little bit underdone because, he, you know, he wasn't able to um, – touch footies and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you can't really work on fitness and get yourself up to scratch during the week if you're spending your time recovering. So mm. um, there's potentially a bit of that, that, you know, the, the training loads have to come down. You, you go out and play a game, your loads spike right up and you just, you know, you're, you're destined for um, an injury there. And I, I who knows whether that's, you know, there's actually a personnel thing because in the day, like I said, you, you just can't get around the fact of doing the volume of work required to be, an AFL player who plays 22 games or, you know, close to. Mm, mm, mm. So I'm, I just don't like the pattern. It's happened so consistently this year that yeah. they're obviously doing something wrong. Um, it needs to change. Mm. You know, as much as you say it's load management, well, manage the loads better. If, yeah. if you know that this person needs to do a certain amount of work before they're ready to play, don't bring them back. Let them do that amount of work. Yeah. Uh, and, well, that's, you know, in a perfect world, um, that's what you would do. Um, but uh, typically, you know, how professional sporting clubs work is probably not too dissimilar to maybe amateur sporting clubs where uh, we're desperate for a win, we're desperate to turn things around. There's there's big money on the line. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a real business behind our business element behind it. Um, I think sometimes that medical staff can be under pressure from uh, selection and and, and yeah. the, or the football department to uh, just rush him along. If he's eighty percent, he's probably better than you know the next guy who's a hundred percent. You know what I mean? So mm. uh, and that's I that's, think that's a co- yeah. 
Yeah, that could be a cultural thing. I'm just not sure. It's a great idea. Just not sure. No, I, um, I tend to agree. Yeah, but, but that's the way pro sport is, I think. Yeah, but look, to be honest, my my overarching dislike is where has this effort, where has this performance been all year? Yeah, well, like I said, I think that's been overcomplicating things and maybe making football harder than it has to be um, in terms of setups and all that sort of thing. Um, we just, you know, you can forget to do the real basic stuff that you've always needed to do um, mm. and get caught up in systems and structures and blah, blah, blah. So, And, and I guess the other thing that all these systems and structures and, and being overly regimented in that regard, they can they, – they, and, you know, it's with any system. It takes out the creative element or the mm-hmm. originality element, and it sort of can be hard for you to just play when you're so worried about systems and structures and mm-hmm. uh, you know almost roboticizing. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes when you can just let that go and, and and keep it simple and sort of strip things back, that's when you can actually get the playing element mm-hmm. and just letting guys do what they do. And you saw that with Hindy, you know, he was able to. Hmm. Generate off halfback, Redmond, um, Shield, Hobbs, Caldwell, Hobbs. Hobbs. Yeah, this goes on. Perkins, days. Perkins. You're like, yeah. So, um, now, like you, you know, you see it in soccer as well. Like, and, and that's that is really a game of, um, sit well can be. You know, really. You know, teams have won championships and and, and big leagues and whatever else, just from being really systemized. And the players in the team aren't that great. They just mm-hmm. really fit a system and their role and they're, they're so good at being that robotic. It's a little bit of a different game. It's a bit less chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are some some players and teams, your Messi's, Ronaldo's, who don't know if you play the system as much. You just sort of let those guys go and do what they do. What they do. You don't do try anything. and systemize them. Mm-hmm. So. And look, the... There's a happy medium there, right? Yep. There's a happy Absolutely. medium of, you know, this is this is where we let people play the natural game and this is where we fit within the system. And we're learning that as a group, absolutely. But, geez, it's frustrating when you see a performance like this and you see how good we can be and then they deliver the drivel that they have for the first 12 weeks. It just makes me mad as a paying member and avid watcher of football. Yeah, and that's probably, I mean, as we look forward to next week as well, probably what um, I think I think when we beat Hawthorne, it's sort of, oh, okay, cool. We turned a corner. Uh, and lo and behold, we did not turn a corner. So I'm not exactly... We didn't turn a corner. We just did a U-turn. <laughs> we came back the way we were going. Um, we... Yeah, I'm not overly filled with faith that this is an essence and and that will really show some development and change for the, the next 11 rounds, whatever we got. It's been a bit less than that, like seven or eight, isn't it? Um, ten. ten to go. Yeah, cool. Um, so, that, like, that's where I was. I'm not uh, exactly overfilled with enthusiasm just yet. Mm. Just yet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm not, I'm not convinced that... Look, if we put out this kind of performance every week from here on out, then I'll be more content with the season than um, I would have been two weeks ago. Um, but I, I agree. I, it's not enough evidence. One good performance is not enough for me. But it was it, it was clearly our best performance and clearly our most cohesive and it did seem to have a good game plan. But boy, oh boy, do we have a test next week against West Coast. Um why don't we take a little bit of a break and then we can have a quick chat about this. Matthew. Talk to me. Optus Stadium. Friday evening, 8.40. When will we ever play West Coast at home first? Ever? Yeah, don't know. It seems to, it seems to happen with uh, the... Dockers, oh no, we played the Dockers here though, didn't we? It was, yeah. We play them at a shit, we always play the Dockers at a shit time slot though, like a 440 or a... Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's never a... Yeah. Um, we always get this mid-June game in Perth. 
Tell you what, I, I wouldn't mind going to Perth right now. It's just a little bit cold down here. It's about eight degrees in Melbourne or whatever it is. I wouldn't mind just popping over to Perth. It'd be nice and warm. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I tend to agree with you. This is certainly not an easy beat. I think um, they're probably in a bit of a similar situation to us. They're just just starting to scrape things together. Um, mm. I mean, they were yeah very interrupted with the COVID situation over there. Mm. Um, I it think happens when your players don't want to get vaxxed. <laughs> what happens when your your premier just uh, you know just operates like you're a whole different country and uh, yeah lets it lets um, well it doesn't want to open up till till uh, it's too late. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, that is what it is. Um, yeah, they'll be. They'll, I think they're starting to get their things together, uh, and they'll be. I reckon they'll have their eyes on us as a. This is mm, a game we, a can, we can get one. Mm. Um, it, it, it'd be the same as. I, I'm assuming internally they thought they could beat St Kilda, but. Um, they're they're probably like we're in a very similar position that they're very hungry for a win. Mm. Um, so for me, it's a danger game because you just you just don't know what they're going to produce. Mm. Um, and so it could, it could actually be a fairly decent contest. Yeah, they could be the West Coast of old. They could, although I doubt McGovern. He's still in hospital. I doubt he gets up for the game. Okay, what happened to him? Uh, broken ribs. Uh, ow. Ow. Yeah. Um. Yep. So I think it's a danger game. I think we should beat them. They've been a rabble this year, but last week they had a much better performance than they have in the past. Um, potentially they're getting some players back. They might be. Um, starting to gel again. Maybe the young players are getting um, some more cohesion and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, just so we're at a dollar thirty nine. They're at three dollars. I don't think we've come in as a favourite <laughs> ever yeah. this year. So this yeah. is our first time as a favourite. Um, yeah, they'll. I think they'll be. They'll be ready to go. They'll be ready to go for sure. And we'll. we'll they'll absolutely have their twenty third, fourth, and fifth players in the umpires. <laughs> Couple umps, yeah. <laughs> given, given it's going to be at Optus Stadium. So um, it's going to be a tough game. I Look, I I don't mind a, a Friday night away game. Uh, let's you get the disappointment out of the way and you can enjoy your weekend without having to, you know, stress too much about when and where you're going to watch the game. And by the time Monday rolls around, if you've lost, as we have on many t- occasions this year, you've already forgotten the game. Well, that's it. Um, what I... It's a funny one um, with the West Coast. They'll... What I would be really disappointed with is, is if we are such a meaningful and, and, and... What's a word for full of effort? Like, really... Not a gutsy win, but, it, you know, it was a... It was a the word I'm looking for it was a de- like we we played really well. I'd I'd hate if we follow it up with we what do. we what we dished up against Sydney. Like that would yeah. look if we went down in a tight one, just two rabble teams that you know um, just went at it. It was a good game of footy, uh, and we you know played our way. We did everything we could. Just wasn't our night. I can live with that. Um, what I can't live with now is if we just go back to what we've been doing for ten weeks. You know, I, I'm and, and just just play that sort of that rubbish rubbish brand of football. So I'm with you, but let let me remind you of the Prince of Portsy <laughs> bearing the mark six and one. He's he's arrived, Matthew. I don't think we'll lose another game in his entire career. <laughs> he will put us on his shoulders uh. and carry us all the way to victory. What happened to the last bloke? I think his initials were J and D, in which we put the weight of the world on his shoulders. What happened to him? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I forget as well. I don't think it ended too well. Mm, mm, yeah, the curse of the crow. The curse <laughs> of the crow. But this is different. I, I can I can feel it in my in my loins, in my waters. <laughs> Just something inside you. Yeah, it's different. It's different. So where do yeah. we win this game, Maddie? I I actually don't know too much about West Coast um, this year. I don't think West Coast know too much about West Coast, to mm. be honest. Um, look, it, it's 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 how we 
Sure. Oh, I mean, it's, it goes without saying how how we show up for the game. Um, but yeah, if, if look like any anything, you control the footy. Um, if our mids want to, you know, dig in and have big numbers in tackles and clearances, and um, we can share the ball like we did and move it, um, particularly on a you know a bigger ground. Um, we have a good day, and if I did, you know, it re- I think it really starts. And, and if anything highlighted from Friday night against St Kilda, it really starts with our defence. Like, mm. if that doesn't show up, everything else falls to pieces. Mm-hmm. So this I game agree. for us wins with the way we want to defend and the way we want to, you know, do those sort of harder things, um, contested if, footy, etc. Which is, you know, nothing groundbreaking. If we win the tackle count. And if we win contested possessions, we'll win the game. Yeah. We'll have to win both because you wouldn't want to win the tackle count due to the fact that you don't have the ball, i.e. Yeah. against Carlton. Yeah. So we, if we bring the same amount of effort, I can't see West Coast beating us. My concern is they're on the up and we have had very poor consistency of effort over the last, most of this season. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, yeah, they're they're. I these are the games. Yeah, you do have to worry a bit because yeah, you just don't know what. Not that you know our season's able to be uh, recaptured from here, but yeah, you just don't know what they're going to produce and bring out. So that's right. That's yeah. right. So any yeah. any changes for yours? Well, McGrath goes, goes out. out um, Parrish is probably the obvious one to replace him. But oh, of course, yeah, Parrish will be ready to go. Yeah, that, I mean, it, it's a bit of an interesting conundrum. Next, who goes back? So, um, is there a bit more sort of magnet throwing around? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think you can you can have Heppel play more across halfback and less on the wing. Okay, play a little bit more wing. Okay. Mm. Well, that that's probably the obvious one there. Mm. Um, no, I, I don't think we might change a winning formula. Um, mm. I think you, you, might, well, you obviously bring Parrish in for McGrath. Yeah. Would you bring in a Reed? Maybe. Maybe. Depends what they're thinking. I, I would have thought that they wouldn't have dropped him, but they did against St Kilda and it worked. So Must have been management, surely. He played. He played in the twos. Yeah, okay. He did too. He did too. Yeah. Interesting. That, I found that really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Unless you bring in um, a Stewart to play at either end. But yeah. It was an odd one. But who goes out, you know? Uh... Ham. Yeah, okay. Yes, Ham. Ham. Uh, but, yeah, I would have brought in another small unless, mm. again, you're bringing Hindy, pushing Hindy up the ground more and Ridley plays sort of a intercepting but... role. But, mm. I, I, it's, yeah, it'll be an interesting one to selection. I don't think Ham, yeah, that's a good point. I, don't I, think, I think Parrish, Parrish from McGrath is, is my one change. You got Ham saying it? Yeah. Yeah. I thought his really? defensive pressure was good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I... he's been killing it in the VFL. Uh, and deserved his chance. Yeah. yeah. Quite a few skill areas, but his pressure was good. His defensive efforts were good. Yeah. Is that is that enough to keep you in the side, though? At this stage, yeah. Hmm. Unless Snelling comes in. Unless Snelling's fit. Yeah, or Langford. Langford also yeah. played in the VFL. I don't, I don't I think Langford that... will be ready for a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay, so he's sort of got to build his game load up. Um, Ham, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if Cutler comes in for Ham, maybe. Oh, I thought he was a bit stiff to go out, but... Mm, so did I. So yeah. Did I. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe something like that. But uh, yeah, I, the obvious one's Parrish. Might be one or two more changes in terms of a Stewart or a Reed. Mm. Um but yeah, I think they're they're probably the ones. Mm. Probably the ones. Yeah. yeah. Yourself? Anything? Yeah, I, I agree. I I my change would be um, Parish from McGrath. Yep. Bring okay. him in, um, and leave the rest. Do the you performance still... needs to be rewarded. Yeah. Do you, do you still keep playing Phillips? You think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think he's freeing up Draper quite a bit to play forward and get a little bit more experience, a little bit more craft. Yep. Yep. Well, I guess keeps, that's... It keeps uh, two-meter Peter in the forward line, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- what what I like is is well, this is the the beauty of Harrison Jones is he can he's actually a true, well, he can play true third tall in that he can come up and take a mark, but he's not useless on the ground. In fact, he's probably mm. kicked a couple last couple of weeks just on his his, gra- his ground ball work. Yeah, so um, interesting. See mm. see what plays out there. Yeah, mm. yeah, I agree. Well, Maddie. Looking forward to next Friday? Uh, I don't know if I am. Could be quickly disappointed. <laughs> yeah. We'll either be incredibly happy or salty as always. But thank you for joining me on this Monday evening. That's all right. Nice and quick one. It is. It is. We've, I've got an early start in the morning and we had a bit of a late start tonight for the listeners. So it's a little bit shorter than usual. Not too much shorter. No, I think it's, not, it's sometimes a bit better to be... I think we're sh- short, sharp, to the point. wasn't too much to discuss, really. We were good. Um... We don't know if we'll be good again, and that's all there really is to it. Where can people find us, Matty? Well, firstly, keep listening on the platform that you are currently listening on. Uh, Instagram, the Don Father Pod. Well, that's all we got. Um, I'm pretty sure that's all we got. That's all we got, yeah. Mm. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know who I'm missing? Three meter beta. Three meter Peter. We haven't had much interaction with three meter Peter. Nothing from uh, three meters, so. Yeah, pull your finger out, three meter. Bring him back. Bring yourself back, mate. We we want to hear from three meter Peter. We want to hear from him. That's right. Um, So yeah, hopefully our you know social media manager there, Danny, can give him a little uh, shout out in the uh, preview that that goes on. She's doing a fantastic job. I like it a lot. Bring back three meter. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Go Dons. Go Dons.